everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. You know, it's amazing how we love to rank and rate football players and football teams. Have you noticed that? People make inordinate amounts of money just looking at percentages and studying how players perform. You have people checking out peewee football players and their development. You've got it in high school, the three-star recruit, the four-star recruit, maybe the five-star recruit. And then, of course, in college, you have players who want to make it to the NFL and they go through the combine and there's this complex process where they're rated. Well, what if I told you that God ranks and rates you and me? What if I told you that eternity is hanging in the balance and our God, our loving God, wants us to see where we are because he sees where we are. Let's just think about, for example, rankings and ratings. Let's think about it as it relates to football, but also as it relates to, to our spiritual pilgrimage with God. Jesus said in John chapter four, verse 35, these words. So when you see this highlighted uh, phrase, I want you to say it with me. That means you aloud, but the other I'll just read. Here's what Jesus said. If you want to talk about a football field or fields, here's what Jesus said. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. We have a field of faith. I mean, it's God's gridiron, literally. God wants you and me to take turf, to move the chains, to push the ball downfield. He has a great purpose, a great plan for every single life here. The first part of, of, this, of this plan that God has, the first aspect of this, of this spiritual index would be represented by this beautiful family. And then I think some of you would find yourself like in their shoes. This is called the spectator. We, we, we have a lot of spectators that show up at fellowship. And you have to start out being a spectator. So it's not bad that you're a spectator. Don't go, oh no, I'm a spectator. It's okay. Spectators usually watch people's lives and they might ask questions. The spectators would be the poinsettia and lily crowd. Christmas and Easter. They would show up, I don't know, maybe maybe four times a year, you know. Maybe a family member twists their arm. Okay, okay. Maybe they're going through a difficult situation. They're just, they're just spectating. They're just, just checking the things of God out. Some of these people have not made a faith decision. Others of the spectators would be like, yeah, you know, back in the day I was involved in church, but, you know, I was on fire, and now I'm like, you know, whatever. Spectators. Well, spectators usually, within our context, move to the next portion of this spiritual index that's illustrated by football. Spectators turn into fans. 
Well, you start as you move from a spectator to a fan, you start as a, as a fair weather fan. You know, if, if the weather's okay, if it's not too nice or it's not too bad outside, I'll show up, you know, uh, but, but if I have something else, I'll do something else. You know, I'll just fit, uh, you know, church into my deal. That's, that's kind of the fair weather fan. So a fair weather fan would come, let's say once every six weeks, something like that. And then as you move into like a, like a full on fan, more, more committed, you, you begin to go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to show up regularly. Now this is, this is, this is something. Well, let me press the pause button and, and tell you something right quick. Think about how many times Jesus labeled people. Think about how many times he labeled you and me, the believers, the non-believers, those who produce fruit, those who don't produce fruit, those who are on the narrow way and those who are on the broad way. And the apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews encourages us to move down this commitment index. Check out what Paul says in the book of Hebrews chapter six, verse one, therefore let us Leave. We've got to leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. The goal is, the destination is spiritual development, spiritual maturity. That's the place. So it's not like, oh, I just arrive at this deep level of commitment which God desires for each of us, yet it's our personal decision to make. We, we don't just, just arrive. There's some intentionality behind it. We have to think about it. There, there's certain things we have to do to discover what God wants for us. I remember, I've told you this before, but back in junior high school, we would see this sex education film called From Boy to Man. And he would always show this guy named Jim. And he would be outside playing basketball. And, and he would go, hey, pass me the ball. <laughs> and they would freeze Jim. And the announcer would say, Jim is going through puberty. His voice is changing. He's moving from boy to man. Man, man. I mean, it went on and on and on. And every year we would watch the same horrendous, goofy film. And Jim always remained paused on puberty. I think a lot of us, when it comes to our, our walk with the Lord, we're paused on puberty. God wants us to move on to spiritual maturity. But there's some misconceptions, if you, if you think about it, about what it means to be committed. Because over here, we have the coach. And that's, and that's where God wants all of us to be. And this coach happens to be Josh Niblett. Don't Google him now. He uh, is, is the coach of Hoover High School. He's probably the best high school football coach, arguably, in the country. Amazing guy. Great, great Christian guy. I just thought, Man, I'm going to do a cutout of Josh Niblett. I've never met him, but he's a cool dude. Anyway, so God wants all of us to be coaches, yet for some reason, 
we find ourselves sometimes in a, in a state of, of, of being paused, in a state of, of a lack of real development. We, 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 we find ourselves maybe between the spectator and the fan or the fan and the team member. But again, there, there's, some, there's some misconceptions about spiritual maturity. One is spiritual maturity is automatic. It just happens. It's just intuitive. <laughs> That'd be like going up to some NFL football player and going, hey, hey, Zeke, uh, man, it's amazing. You just became one of the best running backs in the NFL. Just, it, just, it just happened. It's just automatic. No work, no sweat, no sacrifice. Isn't that right, Zeke? He would go, are you crazy? You have no idea. Yes, I have physical talent, but you have no idea how much I've worked to get to where I am today. Spiritual maturity is the same. It's not automatic. Then there's the experience vibe. Some people think if I just have one experience, one woo, quiver in my liver, a spring in my step, then all of a sudden I can move from a spectator to a participator. And we have a lot of God chasers out there. I'm just chasing that one experience. And I'll go from this field to the other field, from the other field to this field, from this field to that field. Experiences are great. Feelings are awesome. It's part of spiritual maturity, but it's not the thing. Others think, well, spiritual maturity is just knowledge. I know what I'll do. I'll have another Bible study. And in our culture, we live in the land of Bible studies, Bible studies, Bible studies. Bible studies are great, but Bible studies need to be times where you allow the Bible to study you. You know, the word study is only used two times in the Bible. Most of us don't need another Bible study. We need an opportunity to serve and to utilize our spiritual gifts. So James chapter four, verse 17 says this. It says, anyone then who what? Knows the good he ought to do and does not do it sins. Oh man. So spiritual maturity is not just knowing the playbook. Oh, I know the playbook. I know the playbook from the Oklahoma Sooners. I know the playbook from the Miami Dolphins. I know the playbook. I know the playbook. I know the playbook backwards and forwards the Bible. Great. How much have you applied? Experience, okay. Knowledge, then the solo approach. That's another misconception. I'll just do it by myself. I'll just be away and, and I can mature over here, you know, because it's just between me and God and God and I have this bro deal going on, you know. I'm a deal maker and, and I'll just do what I want to do here and now and then, if this church is hot, I'll be there. If someone invites me over here, I'll do that. And I'm just going to do, well, every, every great player, every great coach is a part of a what? Team. Team. In the Bible, we need to understand, the Bible calls the church Jesus, in fact, referred to himself. It's the body of Christ. That's the church. Every body, the Bible says, has members, has parts that function together for one purpose in mind. 
So you have unique opportunities that I don't have. I have unique gifts that you don't have. And together, if we use them within the church, wow, amazing things will take place. The Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, it says, For just as each of us has one body, I just said it, with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, check this out, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body and each belongs to all the others. Membership has its privileges. God's will for you and me, God's plan for man is to be a part of God's squad, the local church. Pretty much every time the word Christian was used in the New Testament, it referred to someone who was a member of a church. So watch this, you go from a spectator poinsettia and lily, to a fan, fair weather fan, full on fan, then as a fan, ladies, I'm going to tell you something about your man. In our little, in our little pea brain, we think we were just one ACL away from the NFL. We do. That's how delusional guys are. Don't tell us the truth because guys, basically we weren't good enough. Just, 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 just let us believe the lie. Okay. We think, though, in our mind, what would it be like to wear the jersey, to put on the cleats, the pads? What would it be like to be on the roster? We always think that when we see a game. That's what happens when we move from a fan to a team member. We're a part. We're a member. We're on God's roster. Here's the great news. You're the Lord's number one draft choice. You're a five-star recruit. Yeah, but, yeah, but I've messed up and I fumbled the ball. I know we all have. God's crazy about you. He scouted you and me. He's been recruiting you and me. He wants us to sign on the dotted line, yet it's our choice. Have you made that decision to be a part of God's roster? So you see, a spectator to a fan a fan. Man, I'm a part of the, of the team. I've got a jersey. But come on now. You don't want to sit the bench. I hate to sit the bench. I've sat the bench a lot. I mean, it's okay, but it's not that great. Recently, I watched an amazing documentary. Have you seen A Football Life with Tony Romo yet? Have you seen that? If you've not seen that, watch it. Absolutely riveting. What a great guy. I just love how, how Tony described his life and his journey and, and the work and the sacrifice. And I just identified so much how Tony Romo was totally humiliated numerous times, yet he kept on going. He kept on moving. And he said during one of the interviews, he goes, you know, for three years, I didn't take a snap, not one snap. And he said, I got my opportunity. And he said, I knew it was my chance. And wow, did he perform. Even Tony Romo, I mean, you're talking about hidden talent, who probably, obviously, is going to be a Hall of Famer, one of the best quarterbacks ever. Yet, People missed him. They didn't see it. They didn't get it. God gets you. 
He gets me. He sees the talent because he's given us these unique gifts. Don't sit the bench. I'm telling you, a lot of you are going, well, man, I thought I was here, but really I'm there. I thought I was here, a player, but really I'm. Don't just sit the bench. Get on the field. How do you do that? You become a player. Do we have any players here? I didn't say a play, yeah. Any players here? Any players? Any players? You see, God's game is intense. Intense. Think about it. The past, we see what God has done at fellowship. We, we started with just 30 families, friends. I drove by our original rented office complex this past Wednesday. I do that some. I just said, thank you, God. 30 families. Lisa and I drove up here with one kid, one car, one rent home. That was it. We had no idea what God would do. The past, absolutely amazing. The present, what God's doing right now in your life and in mine. Then I think about the future. I mean, the future's so bright, we need to wear shades, man. Is that bright? For us to do that, we have to continue to recruit. I know it's a shocker, but if you stop recruiting, Coach Niblett, if you stop going, wow, this person, that person, they can play this position or that position, you're done. So a team member becomes a player. A player is someone who does three things. And here's what it means to be mature spiritually. And we build on these three things. Number one, we serve. I say we're, we're serving. If we're not serving, we're swerving. That means to get outside of yourself and find a place here where you can serve. Share. Share. Share your story with others. We have people spectating. We have people who are fans. We have an opportunity at the right time to invest and to invite. Sowing. It, it costs a lot to do what we do. And again, that's between you and the Lord. Yet, whenever someone scores a touchdown here, Whenever we hear the band playing, whenever someone maybe is called into full-time ministry at our camp, Alasso Ranch, I had a part in that. And so did many of you because we're so invested. Talk to any players. Talk to Tony Romo. He does some basic things. He did some basic things and he built off those basic things. The Bible encourages us in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, to do this. Spend your time and energy in the exercise of keeping spiritually fit. Have you ever thought about how ironic it is like when you go to a game? Let's say you see the Oklahoma Sooners play, let's say you see the University of Miami play, the Dolphins or the Cowboys, or maybe a local team like South Lake or Keller or Highland Park or, or, or whatever high school. Basically, you have thousands and thousands of people in the stands who need exercise watching 22 guys who need rest. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought about that 
At church, sometimes we have all these people show up in need of spiritual exercise, but they're watching some of us here who are in great need of rest. Does that make sense? Are you a player? I mean, God has designed you to be a player. Are you a player? You we move from a player though to a coach. A coach is someone that is a leader of leaders. And we have a lot of great coaches at fellowship. We wouldn't be the church we are today without some amazing coaches. I'm talking about the frozen tundra of all of our parking lots, our parkers. Have you ever thought about that? The greeters and those who work in the children's ministry and the student ministry and those who tweak dials and, and, and move, you know, foam board on the stage and off the stage. Those who many times lead in worship and play instruments and, and those who help in our three churches and our prisons and those who take trips to Haiti and those who, who, who are a part in reach events. I can go on and on. We have a lot of great coaches. Coaches lead, coaches recruit. Don't stop recruiting because the, really the most challenging thing we do, the most difficult thing we do as a coach is recruit. So we have an opportunity, do we not? To recruit, to invest and invite, to invest and invite and bring them down the spiritual path of maturity through this process. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The devil only plays defense. Have you ever thought about his defensive schemes? Here's a bunch of big defensive winemen. <laughs> Liebackers. Me safeties. The marching, eh, 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 contraband, eh, eh, eh. The boo birds flying around the stadium. We, though, as Christ's followers, play offense. We're scoring touchdowns. We're moving the chains. We're pushing the ball downfield. We're moving from a spectator to a fan, a fan, a team member, a team member to a player, a player to a coach. Where are you? Seriously, where, where are you in this, in this matter? Don't leave this place or any of our environments until you say, God, I'm a part of your squad. I'm a part of your team. And I want to discover the great walk and victory that you have for me. 
listening, and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.